Nothing like the passage of unquenchable fire to make you feel inspired to be in the house of the Lord this morning, right? This morning we are continuing our short series about being living sacrifices and giving thanks for those who are offering sacrifices each and every day. Last week we gave thanks and appreciation to the mothers in our lives, both our own mothers and those to whom do not get enough credit for what they do. Next week, we will appreciate and remember the sacrifice of those who've served in the military and those who've gone on before us. But today, I would like for us to look at the sacrifices of the modern prophets, the modern day prophets that may be passing by each day and we fail to notice them. This morning, I would like to preach from that subject, modern day prophets. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most mornings in my house begin the same way. August, my three-year-old, will come into our room around 5 or 5.30 and say, I'm here. And she'll crawl into bed and say, I need a snack, which means, please get me my breakfast, just without the please. She could technically get it herself. She knows where it is and how to get it. She knows how to open the cabinets. But she would prefer if Brianna or I would get out of bed to go get it for her. She will then bring her breakfast back to our room so that we can all get about half an hour more of rest before actually beginning our day. And while lying there, she will either eat her breakfast quietly or she will watch an episode of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or some other Disney Plus feature. Well, last week we had a morning just like that, just as I have described. However, on this particular morning, as she was watching Mickey, I rolled over and I tried to snuggle her. And she said, no, Daddy. And I said, what do you mean? We always snuggle. And she said, no, I don't like that. And for a moment, my heart was temporarily crushed. Surely she's not old enough to be outgrowing snuggles. I said, you don't like it when we snuggle? She said, no, I don't like that smell. And I was kind of caught off guard because I knew I'd showered the night before and I did not think I smelled. So I said, what do you mean you don't like that smell? To which she said, I don't like that smell that comes out of your mouth. And I was caught between hysterical laughter at my daughter's brutal honesty and embarrassed that my morning breath was bad enough for her to call me out. You see, I don't think many of us like being called out. Even if it's just the innocence of a three-year-old saying something she doesn't realize might be embarrassing. We don't like it when people have told us that we've done something wrong or that what we thought was good might actually be bad or when we've made a decision that turns out to be incorrect, or that there's something about us that we didn't even realize for which we need to change. That moment last week, my three-year-old little girl took, she, she took on one of the main qualities of a prophet. Not all the qualities of a prophet, but one. She spoke an unpopular truth to the person who needed to hear it. She called out something about me that needed to be corrected. Most of the time, 
if you read the news or someone calls themselves a prophet, it's because they are predicting something that will happen. But in the Bible, predictions are a very small part of what the prophets do. Biblical prophets spend a lot less time talking about what might happen, and they spend a lot more time talking about what is happening and what did happen and why it happened. A biblical prophet is simply a mouthpiece of God, someone who brings the word of the Lord to those who need to hear it. That's the definition of a prophet. And when God sends prophets to speak to the people, it's usually because God's people have not been listening. When God sends prophets to speak, it's because there are things for which we do not want to hear. When we look back and we realize that a prophet was right, that person is often revered for their courage to speak the truth to power. But in the moment, prophets are often maligned doing the thing that they feel God has called them to do. They are seen by the majority of people as being antagonistic, all doom and gloom. They speak unpopular truths, which cause them to become unpopular people. They call out the people when they are doing something wrong, and unlike the innocence of a three-year-old, they do so knowing full and well the comments that they say will be received with antagonism. They do this work of speaking truths, knowing full and well the consequences that potentially await them for their honesty. So one of the qualities that distinguishes a prophet is that they are willing to speak unpopular truths. But another one is that they are constantly questioned and attacked. Because the things they say threaten to upset the established order, the established order pushes back. Prophets are often unwelcomed and unwanted. And a third quality of a prophet is that they always bring a message oriented towards justice. Justice on behalf of the oppressed. The entire Old Testament lineage of prophets are all speaking out on behalf of those who have been wronged or harmed or cast out. Not often do you hear prophets lifting up the proud or celebrating the wealthy, they come chastising those in power and lifting up the forgotten. Let's look at some of those prophets in the Old Testament. Maybe you've read some of them. Maybe you've read them in their entirety. Did you read the book of Isaiah? Isaiah was a Judean who was sent to Jerusalem to tell the people to repent for their sins. He names their unfaithfulness and brings many words from the Lord. And whereas when we think of Isaiah, we often remember the text about being lifted up on the wings of eagles and being able to run like the youths. But there are plenty of things that he offered that were far from comforting. In the ninth chapter, we hear him say that the Lord will cut off from Israel both the head and the tail, both palm branch and reed. In a single day, the elders and the dignitaries are the head. The prophets who teach lies are the tail. Those who guide this people to mislead them and those who guided them and led them astray. Therefore, the Lord will take no pleasure in the young men, nor will he pity the fatherless and the widows. For everyone is ungodly and wicked. Every mouth speaks folly. Did you read Ezekiel? He had a similar theme, but he was even more intense. Ezekiel was prophesying against the exiles in Babylon. And he went far and wide just to be universally unloved. 
I mean, to start off, Ezekiel ate a scroll. It literally says that he ate a scroll. I don't know about you, but my diet has never had scroll in it. But he thought by eating it, he would have the words of the Lord inside of him. Which means Ezekiel was just a little off. He then laid on his side for 390 days. Said he was bearing the weight of Israel's sins on his side. He too had some harsh words from God about the people's wrongdoings. He prophesied to them saying, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself am against you, Jerusalem, and I will inflict punishment on you in the sight of all the nations. And even though his story, like the rest of the prophets, ends in a place of hope for Israel, where God is restoring the people from their desolation and their destruction, while he was delivering his message, he was not very well received. The people said about him, the way of the Lord is unjust. They didn't want to hear what Ezekiel had to say because it conflicted with what they understood about God's justice. And they failed to realize that he was sent by God to bring God's word. But then there's Jeremiah. Jeremiah is also prophesying to the exiles in Babylon. He's one of the most well-known prophets. He has those same characteristics that we just named. He has tough words that are not necessarily beloved by all. Chapter 26 says that the officials of Judah said that this man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against our city. But also, like other prophets, his message is pointedly one that is meant to lift up the broken and the oppressed. Even those who had previously done wrong, he seeks to comfort. He writes, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, As surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. Jeremiah is saying, your exile will not be forever. The Lord remembers you. The Lord hears your cries. The Lord will restore you. Which brings us to our gospel lesson this morning. Here we have an example of a New Testament prophet. John the Baptist was popular with his followers, but unpopular with those in power. He brought a message about one that was coming to set free the captives. He was driven out into the wilderness in order to preach his message about the coming Messiah. And when the leaders of the Jewish faith showed up, the text says the Pharisees and Sadducees were coming to be baptized, and he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who was it that warned you to flee from the coming wrath? So John the Baptist was a bit uncouth. He was not part of the elite of society. He ate bugs and dressed in camel's fur. He was speaking an unpopular message. He was attacked and he was eventually killed for the way he tried to speak truth to power. But his message was a word of hope to the oppressed people of Israel who had their land occupied by a foreign government. Many of the prophets in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, carry words that we don't want to hear. Words that the people did not want to hear. And I believe that prophets and prophecies are not things just reserved for the ancient scripture. But that if we apply these same standards, these three qualities of a prophet, 
to some of the people in our world today, we would see that there are still modern prophets among us. Billy Graham considered himself more of an evangelist than a prophet, but when he insisted that his crusades in the 50s would be racially integrated, that was a prophetic moment. And of course, one of the most famous examples of a modern prophet is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He had a truth to tell about injustice of racism and inequality. He was attacked and jailed by those in authority, and his message was meant to help those in society that were viewed as less than equal. In this present moment, I think we can say Brian Stevenson is a modern prophet, the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative and author of the book, Just Mercy. His message is one that's hard to hear. His efforts are met with resistance by those that say there are no issues in our criminal justice system, and his work is on behalf of those who are oppressed and often invisible. The last one I'll mention is a local person, a clergy in our district, named Tawny Allgood. Tawny is the leader of the Mobile Inner City Mission. Tawny is a dedicated servant of God who gives tirelessly on behalf of those most in need in Mobile. I'm lucky enough to be on the district committee of ministry with Kathy and we get to meet with our local clergy each year and every time I hear from Tawny, I'm, all, I'm inspired and reminded that he will speak to anyone who will listen about the racial, social, socioeconomic inequality in our city. His message is hard to hear because it's one that puts the problems that we see on the news or we read about in the history books smack dab in our backyard. He and his efforts are met with resistance by persons who do not understand the difficulty of what it means to be in a position of many of those in need of the mission. He hears people say all the time, just tell them to get a job, get their lives together, stop having the issues that they have when in fact he'll explain that they are trapped by a cycle of poverty that has not afforded them the same opportunities or education that have been afforded to many of us that we have been blessed to receive. And without a doubt, his message is one on behalf of the most vulnerable in our community. Jesus said he did not come for those who were well, that those who are well are not in need of a doctor, but he came to heal those who are afflicted. Tani is prophesying, even if it's out in the wilderness, a message that I think John the Baptist and Jesus himself preached. And one final thing to note about prophets is that they're not always perfect. And they might look different than you expect. I think we have this standard ideal in our minds of what a prophet has to look like because they are heroes of our faith. And so we make stained glass windows out of them and we draw beautiful artworks about way, the things that they did to honor them and remember them. But the prophets have faults and flaws, just like all of us. Jesus was the only truly perfect person. But just because a vessel is flawed does not mean it cannot deliver the word of God. And so if you are looking for the word of God in those that are most like us, or those that seem to be the most godly, or those who seem to appear closest to perfection, then we might not hear the voice of the one out in the wilderness, eating locusts, dressed in camel skin. So as we wrap up this morning, the last thing I would like for us to consider is how do we treat the modern prophets? The prophets among us today, those that are like square pegs that we are trying to fit into round holes, the people who don't quite fit the mold of society, 
Those who don't let their differences, though, keep them from speaking out hard but holy truths. I don't know about you, but I like being liked. I don't like it when people are against me. It hurts my feelings when I know people are talking about me behind my back. And I can just about guarantee that the prophets in the Bible weren't huge fans of that either. I reckon they probably didn't love the antagonism that was brought against them just for doing what they thought God had sent them to do. But even knowing what they were up against, they did it anyway. They did the work of God in spite of the animosity that was brought their way. And our modern prophets probably don't love being jailed for what they think is right, like Dr. King and his supporters. I'm sure they don't love being shamed on social media for saying what they feel like they've been called to say. It probably doesn't feel good having people question their integrity or their values. But in spite of those things, the prophets among us today carry on anyway. They carry on bringing the message of transformational goodness that we all need to hear. So my question before we leave here is how will you treat the person who is probably different than you are? that might be bringing the message of God. The person that might be from a different country, the person that might have a different racial identity, the person who maybe went to a different school. How do you treat the person that's different from you and is saying something that you don't want to hear? Perhaps they're saying something that you just can't believe to be true, or perhaps they're saying something deep down you know is true, but that you don't want to admit because it's too hard and you don't want to change. How you treat the person who is different from you that is saying something that you don't want to hear and is also being ridiculed by your friends and the society at large on TV, on the internet, in your group chat because they don't fit in. How are you going to treat the person who is different from you, saying something you don't want to hear, being lambasted by society, but is speaking up on behalf of the disenfranchised? The person who has a message of hope for the outcast. The person standing up for the voiceless. Bring word of hope for the oppressed. I think how we treat those people says a lot about how we would have treated Jesus had we been alive 2,000 years ago when he was doing those very things and was that very person. And I think it says a lot about how we treat Christ today. May we be a people who are at least willing to hear hard things. May we be a people who heed the words of the modern prophets, who call us to do the work of God on behalf of those most in need. May we look and listen to the modern prophets. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.